You're listening to Walk It Out with Trisha Goyer, where we discover what it looks like to follow God and be swept away on the journey of a lifetime. Author of over 70 books, mom of 10, yes, 10, homeschooler and speaker, Trisha Goyer will explore what radical obedience to God's word looks like. It's time to hear from God lovers who've dared to say yes. Listen in to Heart to Heart Chats and learn how others overcame doubts and fears. Discover how God used ordinary people to impact others one step at a time. If you're ready to get radical, get going, and make a difference in this world, you're at the right place. Here's your host, prolific writer, world traveler, people lover, and mega nap taker, Trisha Goyer. Well, friend, welcome back to Walk It Out. And I am so thankful that we could have these conversations about what it looks like to walk with God in everyday life. And sometimes it's not easy, but we are going to be talking today with my friend about how God can be real and present as we turn to Him in everyday life. So Sarah Haggerty is married to her best friend, mama to seven, book nerd, and author. God continues to surprise her by how He he intersects in the middle minutes of her day. She writes in the extra margin of her life, which is so very familiar, um, and puts language to how God intervenes in her story. So we're going to be talking about her new book today, Adore, A Simple Practice for Experiencing God in the Middle Minutes of Your Day. So welcome, Sarah. Oh, thank you for having me on. A long-awaited conversation. Yes, we've been wanting to chat. We have so much in common with all the kids and adoption. So for those who may not be familiar with your story, just give us a little glimpse of your family. Well, if you walked into my house right now, you'd hear my daughter singing Italian upstairs. <laughs> she, I had to go, I love your voice. Can you quiet it down? We've got thin walls here. I have a three-year-old who's just coming home um, from a friend's house and... I've got, you know, my 16-year-old is still in her PJs and getting ready for her driver's test and a baby who's napping and like everything in between. We have our four oldest are from Ethiopia and Uganda. And then we've got these three total jaw-dropping surprise babies who are little. So diapers and crushes. We've got all of it. Yeah, I love, oh, and the conversations around the boys and <laughs> all the things. Yeah. I understand all that stuff. I would just, so tell us a little bit just about your, um, just your parenting journey, because I know um, from, you know, just connecting with you and then reading your other books, it's been a different journey than you had originally expected. Yeah, you know, we, um, we like most people, we just expected that when we wanted to have children, we would have children. We didn't know that we would walk through many, many years of infertility. But early on, before we knew that, we lived with a family for a little bit longer than a summer um, that had adopted. Well, we lived in the cottage kind of on their property. And we, so we got to watch their life a little more up close. And one, of, one night while we were there, Nate just said, we, we said to each other, like, I think we're here for more than just a place to stay. And it really was, I think, God opening our hearts to adoption. Mm. And so before we knew we were going to have, you know, years and years of struggles with infertility, we knew that we wanted to adopt. So we adopted our first two from Ethiopia and saw older kids in the orphanages and our hearts just ached for that scenario. And so our second two, we adopted from Uganda. They were older and kind of trumped the birth order and had no idea what we were doing and learned by a ton of making a ton of mistakes rather than like reading the books and implementing all the right things, even though we read the books. (laughs) Um, And then, you know, after 13 years of marriage, we had what was the start of four 
absolutely shocking pregnancies. The last one being, um, you know, I'm 42 and I just had a baby and we had given away all of our baby stuff. Like I said, we're talking crushes over here in college and, um, but the Lord knew we weren't done. So three of those pregnancies I was able to carry to term. And so we've got seven people that I'm responsible for, which is kind of crazy. My husband's asking us, asking me to get a dog. I'm like, I can barely keep the people fed. (laughs) (laughs) I know. It's so true. And everyone, every night I'm like, how come you all want to eat every (laughs) single day? Like, oh. At the beginning of quarantine, I was like, hey guys, I think we're going to go on a family fast. It's a 30 day fast. (laughs) Only liquids. How about just water and juice? I'm just kidding, by the way. <laughs> yeah. And those teenagers, yeah, yeah, the older kids, they can eat a lot. I'm like, how can you be hungry again? Oh, my <laughs> word. Crazy. I know. My, my son is like, I, I seriously feel like I don't see him during the day without some kind of food in his mouth. And then he wants more and more and more. Yeah. I remember when our oldest got married and moved out. I'm like, our grocery bill has cut by a quarter <laughs> just from one person moving out of our house. That's awesome. That is great. Oh, but it's, yeah. And it's such a joy. And I think appreciating just the little ones while you're looking at the big ones, it's just like, it's just amazing how God gives these unique humans to us. Everyone is completely different. And then just seeing his hand. And like you said, you know, for so many years, you didn't even know that it was possible to carry a, a baby. And then God's like, here we go again. Surprise. That's so crazy. I, you know, I freaked out with this last pregnancy, just knowing my age and some challenges that I've had with pregnancy and And then thinking, these are the teenagers for my girls. You know, what's this going to be like? And in a way, you know, we always see this in retrospect and never in the moment. Like I look back and I'm like, oh my goodness, having a baby is like centering all of us on the small, the simple, the wonder, the beauty that Mm -hmm. I think we would have missed in just the rush of the teenage years. So there is something I, I have told some of my younger friends, hey, if you can make it happen, having big and little kids at the same time, whether they're biological or adopted, like having big and little kids at the same time, there's something pretty sweet about it. Yes, I, I totally agree. And it makes you just appreciate all the ages and stages. And, um, you know, I'm so glad you brought up like adopting older kids because, um, well, we adopted a newborn, then we adopted a two-year-old and a five-year-old, but our middle girls, which were the ages 11, um, 13, 13, and 15. And you're right. There's so many older kids in, um, our, our girls were actually in a children's home, which I I didn't even know. Like I always just thought there was foster care, but this is actually, it's almost like an orphanage. They lived in different cottages with house parents and they didn't even live all together. Um, and they were all older. They had a failed adoption before us and they were just sure they were going to age out of foster care. It comes with, it's, unique challenges of like the hardest things I've ever had to deal with. Um, But there are so many older kids that just, just never think that a family is going to open their hearts to them. Yeah. It's pretty crazy to consider. I, you know, tend to want to have long conversations with people who are considering adoption, maybe because I look at how naive we were on the front end, not that we would ever do it any different, but there's a part of me that's like, man, if I had my eyes open a little bit wider, maybe I wouldn't feel so stunned by the impacts of trauma. Um, Yet at the same time, I Mm -hmm. think inviting, having these 
children become mine, they are mine, has been one of the most powerful influences in my heart and God. I'm not sure that these child, I would be who I am today without the challenges that came with adopting older children. I'm so grateful. And that, I mean, that makes it sound even so sterile in the sense that like, you know, these are not statistics. They aren't numbers on a page. They're living, breathing Mm -hmm. pieces of God that have future and glory to bring to the earth, his glory to bring to the earth. I mean, there's so much life in my kids. But if I would distill it to, yeah, to a statement, yeah, it's crazy hard um, working through mm-hmm. my kids' trauma with them. But man, their stories are that much harder. You know, as we've had counselors say to us, yeah, it's hard for you as a parent fielding the trauma in their life. Think about what it's like to live in their skin and what they've experienced. And there's a lot of kids mm-hmm. out there who have taken so many hits in life who, um, God sees and has a future for them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, there has been times I've been on the floor, flat on my face, like, God, this is so hard, like so hard. And I mean, there's been moments where I I thought like, if I knew how hard, I don't know if I would have gone through with it, but then going through it, I'm like, I'm so much, yeah, so much closer to God, so much closer, like fighting for these kids and fighting to connect and, you know, fighting in a good way. Like there's, there's definitely the hard stuff of fighting, but it has, it's drawn me closer to God in ways I never would have experienced because I, I totally got to the end of myself and raising, we raised three to adulthood. Well, our youngest was seven, uh, seven, no, 16 when we adopted a newborn. But so we raised three almost to adopt uh, adulthood. And I thought, Hey, I'm a good mom. I've got this thing down. <laughs> like, I don't even know why these other people have problems, yeah. <laughs> but God humbled me so much to like the things that work with other kids doesn't, doesn't always work. And just seeking him and, and, you know, opening my heart to kids that, you know, for a seasons purposely would just push me away and push me away and, you know, hard, hard actions. And, um, God has just stripped me down. But I mean, like you said, these are my kids. Like they are as much my kids as the ones that have come out of my body and I would do anything for them. Um, but it's been a hard fight sometimes. Yeah, it it has. And I think I can, I kind of picture like, who would she be without these children meeting me? Mm -hmm. And, um, I I can't even reach who that would be because I feel like so much of me has been formed through fighting for their hearts um, and fighting with them for their hearts and and like diving in, you know, even just conversations I've had in the past 24 hours where um, I'm like something is being called out of me as I look in this child's eyes and say, I am your biggest fan and I'm I am so for mm-hmm. you and you're not alone. We are in this together. Like there's something that's been called out of me that I don't know would have been there without this. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, you know, God knew that when, you know, he opened our hearts to adoption. Um, and But, it, you know, it is hard. I mean, there is times when it is hard to feel like, okay, I need to take the time to connect with God or worship because the days get busy. And when you are, you know, having hard moments with your kids, I think sometimes it's like, okay, you know, I, I'm praying out of desperation, but what I love about your book 
adore. And you've been doing some um, Facebook lives and praying out loud, which I've just like this morning, I was having church with you as I was watching (laughs) one of your um, videos. But it really is in those middle moments. And I like how you talk about that where we can connect with God. And I think so many times when we're feeling drained, we're feeling tired, we're feeling overwhelmed, whether it is with kids or work or illness. Um, But like you talk about lifting our praise up and just pausing in the middle of all of it to adore God changes everything. So I would just love for you to share like why um, this has become so important to you. Well, I think of a stark contrast between my 20s where I really sort of pictured life and God to be the big mission he called me to or the big way I gave myself to him, or the people behind my name whose salvation could be attributed to me sharing the gospel with them. And then like many people, I think I came out of that time realizing that those things do happen in life, but they're maybe 20% of our life. And there's like 80% of our life that is this in-between time that's the driving the kid to the DMV for the driver's lessons test. Um, It's the doing the dishes. It's, you know, for me, caring for my sick dad who had cancer. Um, It's it like if I could slice up life, about 80% of it is those in-between times. And those in-between times are full of a lot of thoughts that don't line up with who God is. And I'm only I'm saying that after the fact, but in the middle of it, I don't necessarily realize that I just notice kind of the byproduct, which is dissatisfaction or grumpiness or irritation or cynicism, you know, and sometimes I would want to placate that with another big thing because it feels like another big thing for God gets me excited and takes my eyes off myself. And, but in reality, you can, you can only do so many big things for God in a whole life across decades. Mm-hmm. I, th- I actually think there's a power in these middle minutes to surrender. Um, and so I just over time started to see like most of my day I'm spending agreeing with thoughts that aren't God's thoughts about him or worrying about things that don't line up with who God is. And I had a friend who introduced me to adoration and little did I know that it was like this practice of praying in the middle minutes of my day would start to slowly revive the in-between times such that 10 years later I can look back and go, I'm a different person. Um, and, and, you know, even adoption included, I'm a different person because I feel like God gave me a tool and met me in the times that were the grumpy times, the irritated times, the tired, the weary, the frustrated, the cynical times. Yeah. And, you know, you talked about in the book, um, we do, we scrapbook those banner moments and we're like, this is life. And no, I mean, those are just pieces and there's so much more. Um, in between. And I love how, um, you you know, when we turn our heart to God, when we start praising him, which you go through all these um, different attributes of God, um, you know, the God who sees my strength, my healer, father, when we can do that, even when the day isn't going like planned, which like, does any day ever go like we (laughs) planned? But when we can pause, like it never does, <laughs> but we can pause and just like, God, you see me right now. And I'm so thankful when we can turn our thoughts to adoration. It does. It takes our mind off of all those negative thoughts, all the, I'm not good enough. I'm not doing enough. 
I'm behind to focusing on what it's about and who God is. And like, sometimes I'll just pause in my day and just picture him like on his throne. I'm like, Mm. I know I'm standing here in a pile of laundry right now, but you are on your throne. And, you know, there's been so many times when I do that and he's like, you are doing exactly what I wanted you to do. You know, and I think so many times we think it's those banner moments or the book contract, you know, for writers or Mm -hmm. the other things. But he's like, you know, I just feel like when I pause, he's like, I see you in that laundry room, uh, which is every day because we have so (laughs) many kids. Um, And I love how you, you know, you bring that out. Like it is those turning our thoughts to him that changes everything in those middle moments. Yeah, I'm just thinking about even just this morning, you know, there's a weight to what is happening in the world right now that feels so heavy. And Mm -hmm. I just woke up, I went to bed with it. My husband and I went to bed talking about it. I woke up with it. And I just, it was like my mind was spinning. And I just felt his subtle invitation, like, be still and know that I am God. Like right now, don't wait till you've researched it out. Don't wait till you've come up with what all the possible potentialities for you and your family and have come up with how you're going to respond to them. But like this minute right now, you can stop and be still and know that I am God and I can adore there. I can talk to God and go, I don't feel still. I feel afraid. I feel like the, the times on the earth right now are very uncertain, but the implications for my family also mm-hmm. feel uncertain. Um, I feel like I don't know how to navigate these waters at all. And my adoration looks like me going, I don't feel still. I feel pretty anxious. Like if I get quiet, I notice the anxiety. If I'm not quiet, I don't necessarily call it anxiety. I just get myself really busy. And when I start to become really busy and sort of productive, then usually it's a flag like, oh, what are you running from, Sarah? (laughs) But when I get quiet, it's like, okay, there's anxiety underneath there. I don't feel still. I don't feel like I trust you as God. I feel like I got to figure out my way around this. And then I adore from that place. It's Lord, your invitation is for me to be still. And I adore you that when the world is absolutely turning upside down, you still tell me, be still. I adore you that stillness is not lost today, that stillness is accessible to me. I don't feel it. I kind of don't even want to reach for it. I want to reach for answers. But instead, I'm going to say, I adore you that because you are God, I can be still. And that's what it looks like. I mean, that's what it looked like for me this morning. It really does feel like Mm -hmm. if I'm honest, there's probably a dozen times a day that I need God Uh, I mean, more than a dozen, but I mean, a dozen where my mind and my heart are off. And if I would pause when that happens, I can find the power of the Holy Spirit that's maybe even bigger than at some big conference where I walk away with a message that feels life changing. And when we take that time to adore and we're getting our mind fixed on God, it's not like all the problems in our life or all the difficulties change. But I do feel like this settling within like, okay, (laughs) like I could take a deeper breath. It's not that, you know, it's the rest of the day is going to be perfect, but I can breathe deeper. And I know when we have lots of kids around or lots of just struggles in life, um, 
there's always something to think about or worry about or be concerned about. And my kids pick up on that. Like they can tell if I'm overwhelmed and I'm stressed with my older girls. Um, I remember when, when they first moved in and it was so, I mean, we added four all at one time and, uh, you know, just, and they hadn't lived together. They hadn't lived together previously. They'd lived in different cottages and one, one had, so it's not only them adjusting to our home, but they would send one down to see my attitude. Like, what is mom going to get me today <laughs> or a bad mood today? And then they would go to report um, because it was, I was so overwhelmed. Like oh, it was no just so doubt. much all at once. And, but when I'm able to still my heart and like, I know it's overwhelming. There's a lot, but when I can get that little measure of peace, it's just the ripple effect with everything else in my life. It's amazing. And it's, I, I think that's the thing is like, Life change is starting to look different in my 40s. I'm realizing that life changing isn't a weekend mm-hmm. and it's not a big event. And I think that's one of the gifts of adoption for me is, is we've really started to hold our kids' hands through processing their stories. Um, it's like the length mm-hmm. of time. I remember early on in adoption, we were told, oh, the length of time that they were outside your home, um, you know, that length of time inside your home and I don't, I can't remember how it was said, but that's when you can start to expect things to feel normal, which I have no idea where that came from, but that's crazy. Like the thought that, oh, if a kid was only outside my home for three years, it's going to take three years for them to return to some, return to some sense of normalcy. Like the kind of trauma that our kids have walked through, you can't blink and have that go away. Mm -hmm. And so I think the more that I have walked with my kids through their stories, the more the, length of time that it may take for them to experience deep healing has grown in my mind. Like I've settled into this isn't going to be years. It may be decades, not to say they're experiencing awesome healing on a day-to-day basis. Like, you know, it's not like they're going to be stuck for decades, but in terms of like the deep excavating that the Lord may want to do, it may take decades. And I feel like watching that with my kids has positioned me to see God over a lifespan. And when you start to look at God over the span of your life, it's weird for me, I get more granular and I go, if I want to follow God over the span of my life, minutes matter. Like, Mm-hmm. It's it's funny. You yeah. think we do the opposite and go, give me more big things so that I can grow in God. But I actually feel like there's been this weird reverse lens where I go, if I'm going to fall in love with God more over my entire lifetime, I have to take this minutes at a time. And today there can be something that happens in terms of an exchange with God that can really impact me um, over just maybe three minutes of prayer. Yeah. And I love, and it's not that, you know, I I love also you talked about like when we um, have that morning quiet time, we think it almost becomes a duty. Like, okay, I'm going to read. And I did, I've read through the Bible six times. Like I'm reading through the Bible. This is my jam. You know, I'm spending time with God and that, I mean, I've learned so much. So it's not discounting that at all, but there is times I just need to like find a scripture on my phone and just, this is what I need to cling to right now. And it doesn't, we don't have to wait till the morning to our devotional time to turn to him. It could be any time. And I love you talk about when you're feeling that unsettled, just pausing and, and 
maybe we don't even know what it's about, what's going on in our heart and mind. And just saying that, like, God, I don't even know what's going on in my heart and mind. I feel unsettled. But again, I adore you because you hold me in your hand. You hold our family in your hand. You hold this world and the pandemic in your hand. Um, And just throughout the day, the more and more we do that, um, just turning our heart to him, our thoughts to him, it, it just changes us in those tiny, tiny little ways that we may not see it, but it, it he meets us in the middle of our day. He does. You know, when you say that, I think of like my three-year-old who's in a really sweet stage of clinginess. And I don't know that I would have saw it as sweet if I didn't already have five older kids, but because I do, I see it as Mm -hmm. super sweet where she just, every little bit, she's wanting to check in with me, be in my lap, get kisses and cuddle. Mm -hmm. She's the tether is tight. She's not wanting to go too far. And even in this time, I feel like the Lord has given her as a picture to me of like, that's how close I, I want you. Or really that's how close you can be to me. Like he, is it too much to think I mean, I think it, this, this sort of maybe exposes our false understandings of God that we think we can't bring our needs to him. Like he might want, what, what if he wants to invite us to come sit in his lap every hour, every 30 minutes? Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds dramatic if yeah, you think- say it, but... Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, because I think that bonding, I mean this is a whole new thing that I see differently now that we've adopted kids who, I mean, some have had reactive attachment disorder and they haven't bonded. And I mean, just the challenges of trying to get someone to bond when they they don't know how Mm -hmm. to bond um, has made me realize, like when I see a mom, we do our teen mom support group. Um, Well, we're going to start again in the fall, hopefully. But when I see the mom and that child doesn't want to go to childcare, they're crying because they just want to be on their mom's lap, you know, this little toddler and the the young mom, you know, some of our moms are 15, 16 years old and they're so frustrated. I'm like, this is a good thing. Like the fact that your child is clinging to you and that bond is there. And I see, you know, I remember having my oldest when he was two would not stay in nursery. And I'm like, why do I even come to church? He won't even, you know, stay in nursery and I have to sit here. Um, But that bond is a good thing. They need the dependent. I mean, they need to be dependent on you. They, so that they can, just build bonds throughout their life. And I think that's such a beautiful picture of God wants us to be bonded with him. He, and, you know, he wants us to be turning to him and clinging to him. And independence isn't a good thing um, in child development because um, they need to have those bonds and those relationships. And I think if we could turn that over to the spiritual um, you know, every time I try to be independent and do stuff on my own, it does not go well. <laughs> so, you know, God's right. like, come to me. It's okay. It's okay if you're clinging to me and crying and you need me. Like, that's where he wants us to be. Yeah, I think we think we've grown out of or we should be growing out of the thing that we actually need the most. You know, I, I look across like my peers um, and many of them, if not all, have been hitting really hard times in the past, say, five years or so. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think we all go through this cycle with hard times where we like resist, 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 do anything we can to climb out of it. But I think there is a progression where eventually you kind of, it may look like succumbing, but it's really surrender and go, I'm just going to receive this for right now. And what happens, I feel like in that time is that we become more needy and in this 21st century world, most of us don't want to be needy. Most of us have written off yeah. the 
the validity of neediness. But yet as believers, I would say we mature the needier we get. The more, I mean, Paul invites Mm -hmm. us to pray without ceasing. I don't think those are like Gregorian chant prayers. Like I think those, that pray without ceasing is I need you. I need you. I don't know if I can do this without you. Yet I think our, our 21st century world is, leads us to believe that the older we get, the stronger we get. And I don't know, the women that I want to follow, the women who are 10, 20 years older than me, it's that the older they've gotten, the needier they are for Jesus. And I want that. And my flesh hates that. Mm-hmm. And when it, when those things come up, you know, even with my big kids, it's like, you know, this with adoption, there's a lot of great books out there. But each kid's story is really unique. And each, with my four, even two that were biologically, were our biological siblings, with my four that we adopted, each one of their stories is so unique. The methodology with them has felt so different from kid to kid. It kind of feels like there are really no books that can give us the answer for this kind of parenting. It feels like off-roading every day sometimes. Not that there aren't tips and tools. Yeah. There's so many tips and tools, but I feel like the the needing to lean into the Holy Spirit and go, what does this kid need right now? Um, I like, I kind of resent that because I want to know exactly what I should Mm -hmm. do. And even as I say that, I'm thinking with my younger kids too, it's the same thing. Like we've loved the books that have helped us parent younger kids, but there's a reality with parenting in general that, that is, uh, neediness. Like we need the Holy spirit to teach us. And if I'm honest, my flesh kind of hates that. I kind of just want to apply a formula. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it is leaning in, leaning into kids, leaning into God, leaning in to spouses. When we just, sometimes I just want to like, can I just have a whole day to me? Like I don't want to continue <laughs> leaning in. Um, but that's exactly where we need to be. And I love um, one other thing you, you say is that um, the best time to adore is when we don't feel like it. Yeah, I think that's I mean, that's true for me pretty much every day. Like if I can just peel back the veil and say, I wrote this book on adoration, on talking to God in the middle minutes of our day. And a good 25% of the time, I feel like doing it. I mean, it's been 10 years of me practicing this almost mm-hmm. 10 years And I still many days need my husband to be like, hey, you're in a total funk. You think you could get alone with the Bible and just talk to God and adore? You know, I just, um, you know, as I grow, there is more desire to connect with him. I'm not saying it's absolutely desireless, but I'm saying that in the middle of like a skirmish with a kid where I'd rather just figure out the solution, oftentimes my heart grows if I do the thing that feels counterintuitive and go talk to God. Or if there's, you know, right now with what's happening on the earth and I'm just feeling the need to like grasp for security and sometimes research Uh feels like this or talking to other people feels like that. And if I can go against what I feel like is going to provide that security and do the counterintuitive thing and just sit and kind of unravel before God, my heart grows and my heart doesn't necessarily grow with every new news article I read. (laughs) or ever. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. And I think, like you said, 
we are like, I just need to talk to someone about this, or I just need to, like, we think we know the thing that yeah. we need. I've had a, a situation that's been frustrating and hard. And I've had a, a friend that a couple times I've just like, oh, this is so frustrating. And she's been so good at listening. But I had to text her the other day and like, I am so sorry. I, because I've been unloading on my, my frustrations and I haven't been praying about it. Like, and, mm. I'm, and she's like, I want to be here, but yeah, you do need to pray. Like you need to go and pray <laughs> about that. And we were able to, we were able to have that conversation. She was like, and I've been frustrated. And um, she goes in the past, there's things that I've said in frustration that I wish I hadn't. Um, Cause now my adult kids will remember that and they'll, you know, bring that up again. And so, you know, we just had this, um, you know, text conversation back and forth. She's like, you're right. I appreciate you saying that, but yeah, go pray about it. And so it seems like I just need to unload on someone might be the thing that we feel like we need to do, but it's like, no, I just need to go before God and pray about the situation. Um, and often it's so easier to do all these other things <laughs> than it is to just like take it to God. I know. And I think for me, like one of the barriers is like, if I dig a little bit below the surface, like I think I still have a lot of assumptions about God that aren't true. And so I sort of feel like mm. oh, he's like subtly irritated with me that I'm so needy. So if I feel that, yeah, I'm not going to go talk to him. I don't want to talk to him if I feel that. Or I feel like he has kind of left me to figure it out on my own. So if I feel that, of course, I'm not going to go talk to him. In some ways, I think the gift of adoration is it requires us. And, and when I say adoration, I mean like us bringing kind of like the psalmist did our raw emotions to God in his word. The gift of that is that the psalmist didn't hold back. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm -hmm. You know, and I think when I come to God going, okay, when I start the prayer going, if I'm really honest, I feel like you're irritated with me that I can't figure this out on my own, God. But your word says you're actually near to the brokenhearted, to the broken ones, to the ones who can't mm -hmm. figure it out on their own. Like, I feel like my heart opens just a little bit more. So the next time I might be a little more prone to talk to him. You know, the more that I really am aware of how tender he is, how gentle he is, how inviting he is, how patient he is how much he likes me. <laughs> when I am aware of those mm -hmm, things, yeah. I, it makes me want to talk to him more. So in many ways, I think a step, a step before even going to pray and adore for me has been like, what am I thinking about him that makes me not want to go talk to him right now? Well, I kind of think he's mm. distant. I kind of think he's detached from my story and my day. Um, okay, that's what I actually need to bring into our conversation. I need to start there. God, I feel like you're distant and detached. But wait, your word in Psalm 18 says, you deliver me because you delight in me. Hmm. Okay, let's talk this through. <laughs> yes, that's so good. And I think, I mean, for me, the thing I always feel like, because I'm the oldest, I'm the oldest grandchild, I'm the oldest child. I was like one that always behaved, well, until I had some wild teen years, but let's not <laughs> talk about that. But it's always like... I'm a pleaser. Like I want to have everything like my schoolwork was always done. My room, you know, just, I wanted to please because that's how I, you know, just my personality growing up. And so now when I feel overwhelmed um, and I, the house is so much messier than it used to be because we've yeah. got all the kids and I can't <laughs> keep up. And um, you know, I, I remember just like being so frustrated and in the laundry room and just like, God, I, I just, need to 
know what to do now. And I felt God saying, I love you just as much when you have piles of laundry, when, you know, your to-do list is a mile long, like all the things, because I love you. I love you. Like, it's not the things you do. And I think that's the thing I keep having to go back to is like, I feel like, okay, if I'm pleasing him, I'm doing all these things, I'm able to keep it all together, then that's when I could go to him. And just in those moments, he continues to speak to my heart. It's like, no, just come to me. Like, you don't have to, you don't have to have the laundry caught up or any of that. Like, he just wants me to come to him. And my husband, because I'll, you know, talk to him and he's like, did you really expect to be able to keep up with the house when we add seven more kids to our lives? And I'm like, when you put it that way, say it. But like in my mind, yes, like I was still going to be able to keep it all together. Um, and so that it just has helped me so much. Like I don't need to be perfect. I don't need to have his approval. I don't need to give answers to everyone. I think always like I'm going to blog about this. I'm going to help other people. Sometimes I don't have the answers. Like I don't need yeah. to feel like I always need to have the answers. And these are the conversations that I've been having a lot with God lately. It's like just it's okay. Like the house is a mess. The laundry's in a pile. Um, you know, whatever. It's okay. Come to me. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, I think about the moments with both my big kids and my little kids that have felt the most memorable where like our relationship really grew tend to be when they're really weak. Like when my teenagers are pretty vulnerable mm-hmm. and they let me in or even with my like six year old, you know, when he's had a hard day and he can communicate it to me and I can hold him and read him a book. He's a boy. He moves a ton. If there can be that like weak moment where I get to be a strong mom for him in the same way with our relationship with God, it's like we resist the very thing that grows intimacy, which is weakness. I hate my weakness if I'm honest Mm -hmm. and really hating my weakness is like shame. You know, I have shame over my weakness when in, when in truth, my weakness is the greatest gift I can bring to God. Cause then he gets to actually come Mm -hmm. overshadow empower speak into lift me up like I almost feel like that picture of you saying you know we want to wait till the laundry's done or the house is clean or like it's such a prophetic picture in a sense to use it in like the traditional dictionary sense of the word that I would like stop in the middle of a really messy kitchen and talk to God because essentially I'm saying I'm going to let my life reflect what I think you want of my heart which is I come when it's unfinished I come when I have nothing to bring to you. I come when it's messy. Because I think in some ways what that communicates to God is I believe that you're the one who's the strength of this relationship, not me. Mm -hmm. Like in a sense, we bring honor to God by coming when it's unfinished because we say with our prayer, I actually believe that you're not requiring strength of me. It makes me think of my kids who've been adopted. When they come to me and let me do things for them that they can do themselves, it feels like we grow because for them to choose weakness is a really big deal. And so in the same way, I think with God, like when we choose to come to him in the unfinished parts of our heart and the messy parts of our life, I feel like it brings a greater avenue of intimacy because we we get to let him do what he does which is be the strength when we're a mess oh that's so good i mean i'm just it's just clicking off in my mind because it's so true so you know what even when we're bringing in the older girls 
they they didn't want to come to me. Um, and I remember like their hair would be a mess and I'm like, you mean to brush your hair? No, no. You know, because it's vulnerable to have someone brush your hair, help yeah. you button your shirt or whatever. Like vulnerability. And I remember, so before, because I've homeschooled all these years, but when they were in foster care, I could not homeschool them. Um, and, you know, they would have to, we'd have to get up early and go to school, which was a completely new thing for me. Well, I would offer to like help them with their hair. Well, after uh, probably a couple of weeks, one of my daughters like, yeah, can you help me? And I curled it and, um, you know, it was so cute. And then it was like all of a sudden, like they, she got tons of compliments. So it became a thing where now she wanted me to curl her hair in the morning, which was, that was a connection. That was our relationship. And then all four of them decided, oh, I want my hair done too. So I remember there'd be times I'm like, you know, when I homeschool, I let them sleep until nine. Like we're not, I'm not, I want that time like quiet in the morning <laughs> yes. and I'd be having to get up early to make sure we had time to curl everyone's hair, which they all have long, dark hair. This is like a 45 minute process to curl all four of their hair. And I'm like, this is, you know, in my mind, like, this is so dumb. Like I don't need to curl their hair every day, uh-huh. but because they wanted me to, and that was that connection that they had made with me, I'm like, I'm going to curl their hair. And so, you know, for months, every day we get up and that I curl so everyone's hair. We're in the kitchen. Cool. They're running around. Yeah. And it's just, and so now it's like, God wants us to come for these things that we think, well, I can do this myself, or I really don't need this. And he's like, just come, just come to me. And when we do, when we're vulnerable, when we come to him, that's where the connection is made. Yeah. Cause then it all surfaces, like all the things that we do such a good job running from, like the discomfort, the vulnerability, the parts of ourselves that we don't like the parts of ourselves that we want to better, you know, I think we are masters, at least I know I am a master of trying to circumvent the messy, the hard, the things that I don't like in myself. And the ironic thing is when I actually don't circumvent them, don't try to better myself or strengthen this area, but just come really, really weak to him, I grow. So it's weird. It's like these life Mm -hmm. hacks that we have in our spiritual life. Like I feel so much better when I do this thing. So I'm going to keep doing this thing that makes me feel strong. You know, we saw how many ministries do we sign up for that aren't necessarily led by the Holy spirit? Cause we just feel better when we're signing up to do the thing or how many meals have we brought that weren't necessarily led by the Holy spirit, but we just wanted to bring another meal. Cause it feels good to do that. Or it feels good to, Um, serve in this way when really when I go, oh my goodness, I've got seven kids. I probably, and I'm pregnant. This was me last year. I can't bring a meal to this friend in need. And then I have to bring that sense of weakness and distaste of myself to God, or I just, you know, binge chocolate or something. I have two choices, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And if I, if I have to bring that to him, I actually grow. I grow more when I'm weak and and I bring the parts of myself that feel distasteful to God um, than I do when I do the next thing that makes me subtly feel stronger. Yeah. Oh, so good. And so the book I wanted to mention, the first part is like explaining just why and tiny prayers and dialogue. And then the second half, you have sections, you know, God, you're my strength. And what I love is that there's so many verses. So, um, you know, 
two, I could pull up two verses and that will take me through the morning. So this is a book that I will go back to again and again and again, mm. because, you know, they're broken up in sections, but each one of the scriptures, like I'll read a, one or two verses. And I'm like, I, this is what I needed. Like, this is just what I needed. Mm. I will do the rather scriptures over other days, but there's so much in there that will take us to that place where we can connect with God through his word. And I think that's what really helps me when we can reflect those words back to him, like, Oh, you know, when it talks about, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart, like that will carry me (laughs) through the day. Like help me to trust Lord. I know you are trustworthy. Um, You have been trustworthy in the past. Like that's a fraction of the whole verse, but that is enough. That's what I need. That's what I can reflect back to God. And so I love how each of these sections you have, you know, multiple scriptures. Um, And so we can, when we're feeling like, okay, I really need you to be my healer today, or I really need you to be my father. Um, There's so much that we can just keep going back to within these pages. So I just love how you were able to lay it out like that. Well, that was my heart. Honestly, I wanted to lay a groundwork for adoration because I think so many of us hear that word and it falls in the category of spiritual discipline, which when you feel strong, you implement a new spiritual discipline. When you don't feel strong, you're not looking to implement new spiritual discipline, or maybe you are, but you sort of Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. have the intention to just feel stronger. So I wanted to lay a foundation of adoration being like us in our raw emotions in the middle minutes of our day talking to God. So I tell a lot of stories and I feel like that gives inspiration for why would we even start trying to give a few more minutes of our day to conversation with God. But then I felt like it's just not enough to talk about it. So the second half is really the toolbox. Like here, let me like hand you what you can do. Because I know for me, and so many people have asked me like, where do you start with adoration? And I'm like, okay, so this is that, this is where do you start? This is, I'm handing it to you so that you don't feel like you have to do a lot of the legwork to figure out, well, where should I start in the word and how do I adore? And that's what the second half of that book was. Wow, I love it. I love the book. I love your heart. I love your story. And I love that you share it from a place of I'm right here with you. Like, I'm I'm here week with you. And let's do this together. It's that unity um, that I feel. And so I love that you've been doing those prayers also on your Facebook page. Because like I said, I was watching this morning in my spirit. I just started praying along with you. Like, yep, yep, I'm right there. I love it. Yeah. Well, in the interest of In the interest of gushing, I have to tell you, though, like there was a I think when I first was introduced to you was a podcast interview. And I'm trying to think it may it may have been read aloud revival. Were you on there a long time ago? Yep, I was. Yep. (sighs) Maybe before then. But I um, heard your podcast interview where you just were talking about the writing life. And you said you verbalized like a deep ache that I had felt in my heart where you were like, I knew God was calling me to write, but I kept feeling like it was going to, I don't want to put words in your mouth, Trisha, but like, here's what I have literally heard in my head for probably once a month since I listened to that (laughs) podcast, which is, it was an ache in my heart because I thought it was going to detract from my kids which is my own personal ache that I have felt because I've, I've felt this strong calling to write. And yet at the same time gone, I don't want this to take away from what I feel like is my most important calling right now, which is a mom being a mom to these kids. But you said, as my kids have gotten older, I've seen the the doors that have opened for them, the opportunities, the way that they've been exposed to writing that has actually been a part of their calling in their future. And you saying that I can even remember where I was on the road running, listening to it. It like shifted something for me where I went, oh God, oh, oh, 
they can both work together. Like maybe this is part of your calling. It doesn't have to be that one detracts from the other, but that one could actually bolster the other. So thank you. Yes, I'm so glad. I love how God does that, those messages that we need to hear. And I, you know, I, my older kids are, my oldest one is almost 31. It's just so crazy. But I can see like all those times the enemy was trying to say, you're such a bad mom, you're taking time away. Um, it just has, it has open doors, it has open connections and opportunities and see what they are in their lives now and the experiences that they've had and the people that they've met. Um, you know, we're even in the, my next book project, we're going to take all the kids and I'm going to be writing a book with someone and we're going to go down, you know, and visit with their family. And I'm like, they never would have had oh, this so if cool. I hadn't, you know, if I would have said, yeah. So, so it's just, it's continuing like God. Write a book you know, with somebody who lives in Hawaii. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Yeah. Well, my daughter, my daughter lives in Europe. She's a missionary there now and she has a baby. Um, And, you know, she was saying that her and her husband for her birthday next weekend are going to go to Prague. And she's like, it's going to be amazing because no tourists are going to be there because, you know, no one's traveling. Oh, my. It's near near where they live. And and I'm like, ooh, I want to come join you. And she goes, then there would be tourists there. (laughs) So funny. That's right. Yeah. I mean, it's just amazing to see. What God has done with my kids, I mean, she's living halfway around the world, but she loves God. She's serving him. She's teaching writing at a university in Europe. Oh, my it's word. Like, and, and I felt God, God saying that, like, even those moments when I'd be frustrated because I'm trying to balance kids in a book deadline. And he goes, this is part of what I'm going to do with them. Like, you know, it's all it's all of it. It's the writing with the kids. With It's all of it. It's like, I have a plan for you and them and the writing and your writing is going to impact them. And it's just, it's okay, so that's what God does. Um, that's what God does. Yeah. That's what God does. Yeah. And so all those times when we feel like, Oh, I'm the worst mom ever. Cause I have to go do this. Nope. It's part of what he has for our kids also. Amen. You spoke so, it then. Oh, You're okay, speaking good, it to me good again. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we're, having, we're in church again. I church with you on your Facebook in the morning. We're now we're in church again. Um, but Sarah, let's just, um, why don't you share like where people can connect with you? And um, I love the book. So awesome. for sure, yeah, go get the so book, the, the but book where is, else can they connect with you? Yep. The book is called Adore. You can get it anywhere books are sold. I write mostly in my monthly newsletter. So that's sarahagerty.net. There's a little banner across the top where you can sign up for that. But I also like to write on Instagram too. And I'm Sarah Hagerty writes no H at the end of my name on Instagram. And then I've got a couple of books out. Uh, not nearly as many as you, Trisha, <laughs> maybe one day, but I have a few that I can <laughs> list in like one sentence versus a very long page. Oh yeah. <laughs> but it's all good. We're all doing what God needs That's us to do. Right. That's exactly right. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for being here today. Oh, and I just love you, you and I love your heart. And Likewise. Um, just thank you for blessing us. Thank you. Well, friends, sometimes it is hard to find someone who truly understands you, but I feel, which I think you totally saw today, that with Sarah, it is truly someone who understands. Um, As we talked about just our struggles with finding God in the middle of our day and adopting older kids and our unrealistic expectations and all those things, I felt so much that I can relate to Sarah. But I also hope that you can relate to because what she really talked about was just pausing and finding God in those middle moments of 
looking up to him and in our heart and in our imagination, picturing him there, picturing his gaze, picturing his love for us. Because really, when we know when we are loved, then everything starts to change. Our ideas about ourselves and our day and God's plan for us, that truly changes everything. Um, Today's Walk It Out verse is John 8. 31 through 32. And Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples. If you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And that is really where I have found freedom. It's understanding the truth of who God is, what he's done, his unconditional love for me. Um, so much of that has just completely transformed my life of who I thought I was when I was a pregnant teen girl to who I discovered I was when I looked in God's eyes and known that he has good plans for me. He created me for a purpose. He has a desire for me to impact his kingdom. Everything changed when I paused to look to God, to adore him and to trust who he said I was, not who the world thought I was or who I thought I was in my own negativity. There's another verse too that I just love, and that is 1 Corinthians 13, 12. It says, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face, now in part, then I shall fully know, even as I am fully known. And I think it is so amazing that right now we can imagine God, we can feel his love in our hearts, we can feel his peace, but someday we will be looking to him face to face and we will truly feel loved. I think so many times I remember in the past, I used to think about, oh my goodness, I'm going to be so ashamed of all that I have done. But as I've experienced God more and as I've experienced this love more, I can just picture love from his eyes. And I think that really is where the place of trust is. It's understanding that all those mistakes, all the things we've done that have been sinful and shameful and have brought pain to ourselves and others, that those are forgiven and God just truly loves us. So um, I pray today as, as you listen to Sarah, as you listened to me, that you will start to grasp the truth of God and that you will find freedom there. So let me pray for us. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for every listener now. I thank you that you allow these conversations and these words of our hearts to just go out and impact people, maybe people I will never meet in person, um, that I'm looking forward to meeting in eternity. But God, I just thank you that you are able to use me and use Sarah to be a vessel for you. I thank you, Lord, that we dare to lift our eyes, to look to you, to adore you, and to trust who you say we are. I think so many times in the middle of our days when we're feeling so Um, weary and that we're not making a difference and that things don't matter, um, that we want to give up, that it can feel so mundane, Lord. But I pray that we'll continue to look to you, to lift our voices to you, to adore you. Um, And when we see who you are and who you created us to be, everything starts to change. Lord, I pray for every listener that they will truly learn to trust in your love for him or her. I also pray for Sarah, for her family, for her older kids, for all her little babies around running around and what a blessing that was Lord um, to them all their children and I pray that you will bless her ministry bless her in the middle of those everyday moments I know I experience them too but also I pray that you will help her books go out so that more people can be encouraged and we just pray all these things in your name amen 
Well, friend, thank you so much for tuning in to Walk It Out. I just love that in the middle of my very busy day, I can pull away, talk to friends, share my heart, laugh and cry, and then go back to um, you know, taking kids places, grocery shopping, making dinner, doing laundry, all the things. And that really is the joy of it. That's what Sarah and I have discovered, you know, finding God and then taking the time in those also middle moments to pull away and to do his work, whether it is writing or podcasting. Now, if you have always wanted to write a book, maybe people tell you that your life story can really help and impact others. Maybe you've had ideas for novels. Maybe you just want to write devotionals, not just. Maybe you want to write devotionals and you know that the inspiration that God gives you in the morning during your quiet time can really impact other people. Well, I want to encourage you. I have a private subscription group on Facebook. And it's called Write That Book. And in it, there's myself, there are editors and agents and um, award winners, there's publicists, there's podcasters, there's all types of people within that private subscription group. We have over, I think, 40 experts. I mean, there's a lot of amazing people there. And every single week, someone, um, many people, two to three people, do a private live on that group. So that means that if you're in the group, there might be a best-selling author coming on for an hour during the week to answer your questions about maybe researching for a novel or how to write a book proposal or how to get the most out of writers' conferences. All of those things are shared within the group. And the cool thing is you can be there with the expert when they're live and you can watch it. You could ask questions, interact with that person during the live office hours. But if that doesn't fit your schedule, all those videos are archived. And so even now you can go back and there's dozens and dozens of videos for you to watch with experts um, just, just sharing their advice to help you to become successful in writing and getting your words and your messages out there. Now, we're going to have the information for Write That Book in the show notes. So go over to walkitoutpodcast.com. Look for this um, Sarah's beautiful face. And then in those show notes with Sarah Haggerty, you will see information about my private subscription group. I hope it'll encourage you. It's $24.95 a month. Um, so if you watch all the videos, you know, it's like a dollar a video. It's crazy <laughs> for all the information that you get within the group or maybe a couple dollars. See, I write. I'm not a math person. But anyway, there is a lot of information, a lot of help. You can also post your questions in the group and people love supporting and helping each other. So I just hope that you will find encouragement there. But thank you, friends, so much for tuning in to Walk It Out podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, share it with a friend. Also, go over to iTunes, leave a review. It always makes a huge difference because it helps more people to discover the Walk It Out podcast. I pray, friend, that you will have an amazing and a blessed day. Thanks for listening to Walk It Out. Head over to the show notes for this podcast and all past episodes at www.walkitoutpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with someone you know who can make a radical difference in the world. We love new friends. See you next time.